Hello, welcome to another edition of Ranking Thrones. I am James Kelly. And I'm Evan Camacho. And every week, Evan and I meet to talk about the Targaryen and Baratheon kings and queen who sat on the Iron Throne. This week we are continuing our two-part series on Aegon III. Mm-hmm. So last week, Evan and I concluded our epic six-part series on the Dance of the Dragons. Mm-hmm. But now the dance is pretty much definitively over. <laughs> so now we can talk more about just uh, Aegon III and his regular reign and find out why he earned... Or, or would be called all his sad nicknames of Aegon the Unlucky, Aegon the the Dragon's Bane, and Aegon the Broken King. <laughs> but we'll also see if maybe that's a bit of a misplaced reputation. Okay. So, first off, for our two-parters... And for some of the future episodes, we're going to have this fun little category of who's he based off of, which is just a little discussion of some of the possible historical inspirations for these these, uh, fictional kings that George R. R. Martin has come up with. And uh, for Aegon III, uh, at least for his kind of his origin story, Mm -hmm. he really seems to be inspired by just like all the rest of the of uh, Rhaenyra and Aegon the second mm-hmm. were based on off of um, respectively Matilda Queen Matilda or mm-hmm. rather Empress Matilda and King uh, King Stephen mm-hmm. in the period known as the anarchy right. um, Aegon the third is inspired by Matilda's son who would be called Henry the Second? Mm. Matilda eventually, like I'm mean, to, to tell you a little bit of a backstory. Mm. Matilda eventually dropped her pressing of her claim in favor of her son Henry, who mm. was he was uh, described as a natural leader and would lead several invasions into England. Mm. His invasions were eventually successful enough that the King Stephen had Henry adopted as his heir, and mm. had and Stephen had to to renounce his own son's claim. Mm-hmm. Right. Henry II, Matilda's son, would be crowned as King of England. Yep. And uh, Henry, unlike Aegon III, Matilda would live to see that happen. <laughs> so she's got to see her, her rightful claim vindicated through her son. I have how it works. Also, unlike Aegon III, Henry II was not a boy king, and no. he was thankfully not traumatized. No. And uh, in point of fact, actually, Henry II's reign as king mm-hmm. is more of an inspiration, apparently, for our good friend Jaehaerys the Conciliator. Nice. Yeah. Well, because guess who guess who appeared after Henry II? Little, little known fact. Who? Richard I. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Fortunately, despite his, and this is a little bit of a tangent, this is, despite his um, his famous uh, deeds during during the Crusades, was not good for England. Oh yes, yes, yes. No, he was not. He, w- w- 
You know, honestly, Evan, mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil things, but you'll kind of be able to talk more about your wonderful least yeah. favorite figure from history. Right. In in an episode very, very soon, because there's a king that's very, very, very inspired by Richard the First. Fantastic. So you'll be able to vent it all out there. And, uh, well, I mean, we can talk about this little just tangent if you want to get into it, but like... But I want to say that the tangent... I mean, Henry II, in in terms of English history, is a relatively forgotten king. Yeah. He was a good king. He just wasn't a great king. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, from my understanding, just like by the end, like poor Henry II ended up having the worst kids ever because they... ended up going to war against him, uh-huh. including the so-called noble Richard the Lionheart. Oh, yes. So, yeah, th- that's a whole other story, though. Let's go to the wonderful, more comfortable, fictional story of Aegon the Third. Uh-huh. So, continuing from where we left off at... Aegon III was still in his minority when he ascended the Iron Throne, and right. there was a... Ca- was a council of seven regents placed at the top, though his though his hand his hand was Sir Tyland Lannister. Mm. Sir Tyland yeah. Lannister had been was blinded and gelded by the torture administered to him by Rhaenyra. Ah. He would wear a hood to cloak his scars. This unfortunately led many to whisper that Sir Tyland was a wicked sorcerer, <laughs> which. Despite the Emperor Palpatine appearance, no, he was not. He was not. There was no Palpatine. In case you were wondering, the Sea Snake was made one of King, King Aegon's seven regions. Of course it was. He was one of the only people that Aegon would trust. Unfortunately, within a year of Aegon III's reign, the Sea Snake would suddenly collapse while climbing down some stairs and died. Okay, that's almost comically bad. He was an old man, though. Still. It just it happens. Oh, yeah. But still, that is quite... That, that's actually almost comical. Well, I mean, it's kind of sad, because it's like, it's like a stroke. Just like he like died while climbing down some stairs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can see the almost comical, but yeah. He I mean, that... And, and, quite dark. Yeah. In a dark way, I, I'll agree. Yeah. I mean, like, and and with that went the the greatest Valerian in in their family. Mm-hmm. They're the Valerians, Aegon the Conqueror. Yeah. Although, as we'll find out, his officially grandson, really son, Alan Oakenfist, would give him a good run for his money. <laughs> Sir Tyland, having kept the majority of the gold hidden in Castor Lock. Had it returned, he hid it during the Dance of the Dragons to help secure the the Greens Mm -hmm. and make the Blacks have to resort to those awful taxes. Right. He also had the gold that was in Old Town returned by the young and scandalous Lord Hightower. Oh, great. So so suddenly the the Iron Throne had all its money basically back. The scandalous Lord Tytower, I told you why he was scandalous in the last episode. Yep. He officially, according to law, married his mother. Yeah. Not really, though. No, but that's all it takes. Yeah. 
Sir Tyland managed the realm well, but he would soon be the victim of, of the plague called the Winter Plague. Hmm. Unlike the Shivering Sickness, the disease mostly infected the coastal areas of the realm. The disease usually killed its victims within four days, though one out of four people would survive. Okay. So it's a bit better than the, the Shivering Sickness, which killed everyone. Great. And infected, including a Targaryen princess. Mm-hmm. During this plague... One who surprisingly came to be celebrated for his compassion was Aegon III. The, the king visited countless sick, and though he, not talking, he would listen to his people speak to him. Huh. Though few recovered, he was described as having healing hands. Interesting. So for a supposedly cold and uncaring king, he went to care for the sick when they were dying. Funny little, funny little tangent, by the way. Yeah, um, the famous or, or or infamous, if you want to call him that, uh, Austro-Hungarian uh, Ferdinand Ferdinand the uh, Second of World War One. Oh yes, when yes, yes. When he was assassinated, they actually had a um, their original plan was to go visit the hospital of the people who were wounded during the attack, um, but sadly he was shot before they could reach it. Yes, yes, I remember this. Yeah. So there's. There's some there's some humanity there. Yeah. Well, well, like uh, from what I understand, uh, was like that. The Duke immediately understood when that assassination attempt happened. It was like, no, oh, I I can't run away. Like this proves that like I need to prove to the people that I care about them. Right. So let me go to like the ones that definitely need the most care right now and to show how much I care. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's. That's interesting, though, that Aegon had healing hands. Maybe it, was, maybe it was just the voice. Maybe it's just listening. I don't know, but if nothing else, he is not... That doesn't strike me as an apathetic king. No. As we'll go on. After Sir Tyland Ty- ably governed the realm, Aegon III had several suggestions for replacements on the king's guard and for Hand of the King. Oh, dear me. But his suggestions were ignored, and instead the position of Hand and Protector of the Realm went to Unwin Peak. Okay. Peak was a, was a green and a hard believer in a man's right to succeed. Oh, no. He had been one of the leaders of the plot to kill the two betrayers, Hugh Hammer and Ulf the White, also known as Ulf the Sot. Mm-hmm. Lord Peak hoped to restore the prestige of House Peak and, fulfilled the, and filled the court with men who were loyal to him. Including to Aegon's Fury, a knight who had been present for his mother's murder, Sir Marston Waters. Lord Unwin Peak had to struggle with the ambitions of Lord Alan Valerian, who br- brashly attacked an eastern conflict on the Stepstones that threatened Westeros. Lord Unwin was fairly critical, as Lord Alan had essentially declared war on Bravos, who quickly rebuilt all of their ships that Lord Alan had destroyed. But in Westeros, Lord Allen was hailed as a hero and would henceforth be known as Allen Oakenfist. Ah. The actual battle and the circumstances are very complicated and a little bit confusing to get into. And I don't think we really need to get too deep into it. But basically, it's just that if if I can sum it up as quickly as I can... 
Mm-hmm. It's basically that the the step zones, mm-hmm. this great like intermediary land that's constantly at war between the east and uh, Westeros, mm-hmm. was uh, taken over by a pirate lord, mm-hmm. and uh, he was aided by the Bravosi. And so, Unwin Peak wanted to get rid of Alan Valerian and sent him out to deal with that, hoping, of course, that he would die in the fight. Sounds very typical. And uh, they were hoping to invade the Step Zones and conquer it. But instead, uh, Alan Valerian went against their orders and it directly attacked the ships. Oh. And basically got rid of the, the fleet that was their official cause for war before they could have invaded the Step Zones. And so now there was no purpose to invade the step zones because theoretically the enemy was gone. And so on paper, Alan Valerian is a hero. Right. But as I said, the Bravosi were like, we're merchant kings. We rebuilt that fleet in a second. Right. And so. Buy another fleet. Yeah. But. Anyways, that, that's like a whole deep side thing that we can't really get into. Or don't really need to get into. It's a wonderful story, but it's not necessary. So again, just complicated, complicated politics. It's like the fourth it's, crusade. It's like many kind of things in politics. So, Lord Allen would further enrage Lord Unwin when he married Bela Targaryen, the um, king's half-sister... With Aegon still childless, Lord Unwin dreaded that Lady Bela's child being the heir to the Iron Throne. Uh. Lord Unwin tried to circumvent Lord Allen's rising by making him tasked with going around the hostile Stepstones and hostile Dorne to reach the Iron Islands who were still under rebellion. Oh, for the love of... The Iron Islands, led by Dalton Greyjoy, called the Red Kraken, swore ah. to the Blacks and raided the Green Lannisters during the Dance of the Dragons. However, after the dance had concluded, the Greyjoys were still raiding and raping the Lannisters' lands. Ah. Lord Allen slowly was able to call a truce with the mercurial Ricaldo Rindoon, who ruled the Stepstones. He then was able to make peace with the Princess of Dorne and may have become her lover. Okay. As he inched closely to the Iron Islands for a great battle, he was astonished to find the Red Kraken was already dead. Weird. The Red Kraken had been killed earlier by one of his many salt wives for unknown reasons. Mm. Uh, as you may not be aware of, Evan, mm-hmm. uh, the... In the Iron Islands, even though the they get married, they also have, the men practice the the tradition of a salt wife, right. where it's just a wife for that particular place that they've conquered. Uh-huh. And so one of the Red Kraken's salt wives killed him one day wow. while he was asleep. Well, poor guy. <laughs> well, he was a monster, so Still. not really. Kill- Kill a poor guy in his bedroom, come on. Yeah, I can, yeah. But only so much. Like, basically, like, it, if you find out what he did, it's like, it's like, it's kind of like, yeah. I mean, that's not a great way to go out, but he wasn't it's a like, great guy. It's like poor Attila the Hun died, not, died, in his, died on his wedding night uh, 
died on his wedding on his wedding night from a nosebleed. Oh, okay. Like in that sense, then yeah, sure. I don't really feel sorry for Attila the Hunter. Don't feel, really feel sorry for this guy either. No. Uh, but, yeah. So, as Lord Allen made his return to King's Landing, the city was dealing with a series of tragedies and surprises. Uh-oh. Queen Jehera, who was only ten, was found dead one day on spikes. Yikes. Officially, she committed suicide just as her mother, Queen Helena, had done. But everyone suspected that Unwin Peak had murdered her so that Aegon could marry his daughter and give birth to a child who was Aegon's heir. Sounds pretty typical. News of this would reach Queen Alicent, who was de facto imprisonment in a tower not soon after Aegon III took the crown. Many refused to execute Alicent, but at the same time knew that she could not be involved in the court or even in raising her granddaughter. Allegedly, during a brief time where Queen Alicent met Jehera, she urged her granddaughter to kill Aegon in his sleep. Hmm. She did not give up even in the end. Hey, got to give her points for there. Yeah. But when the news of Jehera's death reached her, and with her all of her children and grandchildren dead, although this was not supposedly not completely true, she would starve herself to death. In a fit of madness, she apparently thought she was reading for King Jaehaerys, the conciliator. Huh. She curiously never mentioned her husband, King Viserys I. Ah. The lords who served as regents were furious when they heard Lord Unwin's proposal to have the king marry the Han's daughter. They demanded that other ladies be brought to court for Aegon's hand. Eventually, a romantic notion came forth that all the young ladies of the court would come and Aegon III would choose his new queen. Mm-hmm. It's something that sounds so wonderful on paper, yeah. but then in practice became what it became. Yeah, this is going to be bad. Given that Aegon was a sullen boy, this was far more romantic an idea than reality, as all of the ladies were paraded like a cattle show before Aegon III as he sat on the Iron Throne. Sounds like the the world's oldest casting call. Yep. It was just like this weird show where they paraded women around for Aegon to look at. And refresh my memory, how old is Aegon by this point? He was a... At this point, he was about like a... 12. Given that Aegon... So, Lord Peak had introduced the king to his daughter weeks before and hoped to have Aegon choose her in the official ceremony. Suddenly, to everyone's surprise, the king's sisters, Bela and Reyna, arrived. Bela months pregnant, by the way, with the girl they proclaimed would be Aegon's queen. The girl was the beautiful six-year-old Daenerys Valerian. Aegon, upon sight, declared the girl would be his queen. What? This is really bizarre. It is, but, like, even at six, she was a beautiful girl, and he knew that would be his queen. Okay. Remember, he was only, like... It is weird, but like it's also like a little bit like kind of fairy tale almost. Right. I was gonna say this sounds like a fairy tale. Almost, yeah. 
But I mean, it, it can kind of happen just because, like, again, he wasn't really an adult. He was a kid. Mm-hmm. And as we've covered, he's, and as we'll get into, he's a pretty traumatized kid. Right. So, but anyways, like, but no, like, every woman, like, uh, I, I'm not saying, I didn't say this earlier, but every woman upon sight of Daenerys Valerian mm-hmm. knew that this was the most gorgeous woman in the in the room mm. and in the court and said like and everyone even though just dis- all the other girls were disappointed they all understood why Aegon chose who he chose interesting so that's a bit of legend but it's also a little bit of oh okay mm. and it's also I think a little bit just like their sisters know what, what their brother wants more mm-hmm. more than the hand yeah Furthermore, news came back that Lord Allen was returning with a great treasure. Uh-oh. Lord Unwin tried to hold back the king from greeting his brother-in-law, called Good Brother in Westeros. Okay. Lord Allen was given a great applause and a golden seahorse and thanks for his work for the realm. Hmm. The king said it was good to have his brother back. Lord Allen laughed and said that he could never truly be Aegon's brother, but he had someone who could be. At which point came out the long-lost prince, Viserys, the king's wow. younger brother, long thought dead. <laughs> he wasn't dead. Mm. Viserys arrived to married to a Lyseni girl called Lara Rogare. Mm. As part of Lord Allen's deal to regain Prince Viserys, he agreed to transfer all the money from Bravos from the Bank of Bravos to the Bank of Lease. This was not a good idea. No. The xenophobic Westerosi, while thrilled to have Prince Viserys back, whose arrival settled the succession issue, were incredibly paranoid of Lady Laura and her two brothers who came with her. Yes, rightfully so. Lord Unwin, feeling pressured, tried tried to pressure more concessions to his power by resigning. To his shock... His resignation was accepted. Nah. At which point, King Aegon's preferred choice for Hand of the King, Lord Rowan, took the duty. Never, ever deal your hand when, when you don't want it to be accepted. Yeah. A very infamous rela- example of this mm-hmm. is American hero and misunderstood and I would argue French hero also mm-hmm. the Marquis de Lafayette yes poor Lafayette in like his autumn years was the most respected French general mm-hmm. in late in his life and he gave uncomfortably his as Mike Duncan put it his Republican kiss yes. on the new French government and the uh, uh. in the in the glorious revolution of 1830, 1830, I think. Yes. Two years before the June Rebellion as depicted in Les Miserables. Yeah. And, uh, but quickly, Lafayette found out how disappointed he would be in this government. And how it was barely an improvement over the previous government. Yeah. And so he, he said he would resign as commander of the guard at which point 
that was accepted. Big mistake. He he thought like what? But I'm irreplaceable. But he found out no, he was. That happens a lot. So never do that kind of things, people. Yeah. Lord hey. Rowan managed managed the realm ably. After Lord Rowan's resignation, Gaiman Palehair, the one-time king and good friend of, of King Aegon III, died from poisoning. This greatly depressed the sullen Aegon III, as Gaiman was one of the only men Aegon considered a friend and trusted. He would soon only ever trust his brother Viserys, whose return did bring some hope and uplifting to the sullen boy. Then in a time that would soon be known as the Lyseni Spring, trouble came afoot. Lady Lara's father died. His son, who succeeded him, was not the genius of his father and ended up squandering all of the money in the Rogare Bank. The Lyseni's collapse of money led to a panic and there was an accusation of treason that the Lyseni were planning to usurp the throne. This was definitely not true. But that's all but, it takes. Yeah. The treason led to Lord Rowan being taken by the Kingsguard. Sir Marston Waters of the Kingsguard arrested many and declared himself Hand of the King. However, Aegon III was able to separate himself from his would-be captors and stayed with minimal supplies in Magor's Holdfast with his brother and their wives. Sir Marston tried to persuade the king to surrender, but Aegon utterly refused, at one point flatly saying Sir Marston could not be trusted as he st- had stood there and let his Aegon's mother be eaten. Sir Marston refused to besiege the tower the king was in and insisted that he genuinely believed Lord... Rowan was guilty of treason. At last, Lord Rowan was brought before the king, who confessed to plotting the treason. But then, Prince Viserys boldly asked if his wife was part of the plot. When Lord Rowan confessed this was true, the prince and even Mushroom soon had Lord Rowan confess that Prince Viserys was involved and that Lord Rowan had poisoned King Viserys I and later was responsible for the doom of Valyria. So, clearly, Lord Rowan was tortured beyond being reliable. Yeah. King Aegon demanded that Sir Marston free Lord Rowan and surrender the men who accused others of treason. The true plot was thus revealed, and Aegon emerged more kingly and respected. Hmm. The conspirators would mostly take the black, though the innocent of treason brothers of Lady Lara were maimed and whipped before being being forced to return to lease. Poor guy. Though these brothers were guilty though these brothers were guilty of bribery and corruption. Fair enough. The one conspicuous name not named as a conspirator, though everyone suspected was such, was Unwin Peak. But Peak was never condemned by the conspirators, and no evidence was brought of him committing treason. Hmm. But come on, we all know. Of course. Torin Mandalay was next named Hand of the King. He ruled ably and helped slowly recoup some of the money lost. He also planned for a progress for the king that would last a year. The news of this excited many lords. 
Torn Manderley believed it would improve the king, whom he privately called the Sullen Boy. <laughs> but on King Aegon III's 16th birthday, he surprised many by suddenly announcing that as he was now a man, he would personally rule. He asked Torin Manderley, that Torin Manderley end his tenure as Hand of the King. He also said that he would not have a progress and that if anyone wanted to meet him, they would find him on the Iron Throne. Aegon promised that he would give the people cheap food and if they wanted amusements, he suggested sending Mushroom on a tour or a dancing bear. (laughs) Aegon did not give people tournaments and rarely was seen in public, leading to him being unpopular. His reluctance to be seen made him be known by many as the Broken King. Wow. On a fun, sad note, not soon after Aegon's 16th birthday and the end of his regency, Mushroom left King's Landing, becoming the fool to Lord Manderley, as he found Aegon III too sullen and unpleasant to be around. That would be the last time Gildane would rely on... Mushroom's testimony as a source, as from then he spoke of his life in White Harbor, which, while a lot of fun, is not relevant to the Targaryens' history. Fair enough. The realm was at peace and recovered from the deep wounds of the Dance of the Dragons, but several times men came forward who claimed that they were Prince Daron, King Viserys, and Queen Alicent's son, to reclaim his birthright. Each man would lead a small rebellion that was quelled. All of these men were revealed to be outright imposters. Of course. King Aegon would eventually have five children with Queen Daenerys Dine- when she became of age. It was said that Aegon did not like to be touched, but Lady Daenerys was able to o- help him overcome this. Hmm. Their children were Daron, Baylor, Dana, Reyna, and Elena. Not bad. Four of these children would help shape the destiny of the realm for over a hundred years and would each come to overshadow their father. Mm. King Aegon would later appoint his brother Viserys as Hand of the King. Viserys persuaded the understandably reluctant Aegon that they needed to hatch dragons, with the last one having died in the dragon pit, a small, sickly thing. Aegon would summon many men, and they attempted to hatch the dragon eggs with wildfire, but it was not successful. Oh, no. Because the the dragons would die in his reign, he would be known as Aegon the Unlucky and Aegon the Dragon's Bane. Hmm. Eventually, Aegon died at the age of 36 from consumption. Uh, What is consumption again? It's um, tuberculosis. Tuberculosis. Ouch. Blood coughing. Great. Terrible disease. Oh, yeah. He was only 36. Yep. Sounds about right. He was not sorely missed by many. Nah. So, that is the story of Aegon III. Mm-hmm. Bit of a tragic figure. A bit of a tragic figure, but... Yeah. There's only so much you can do with the poor kid. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, like, like uh, they say in Fire and Blood, and like, it's completely understandable. It was like, given that kind of background, which you listen to the other five episodes to understand. Yeah. It's just like, it's like, 
Yeah, I'm. S- the fact that the kid can actually function is is a bit of a a miracle. A bit of a miracle, yes. Yeah, that he was as good of a king as he was is really a testimony. Yeah. So, with that, let's rank him. Mm-hmm. So. He ruled Westeros for 26 years, so he automatically gets 26 points. Pretty good. That's already Pretty good. Good time. Mm-hmm. During his time as king, the realm repaired from the damages and horrors of the Dance of the Dragons. Mm-hmm. During his ta- time, the realm was mostly at peace. Right. And despite his reputation of coldness, he comforted the sick during the Winter Plague. Hmm. So I think he gets deserves points for that. He definitely gets some points for that. So he wasn't directly king for six years. No. But he, he did have good regents though during those six yeah, years. Have, he did have good middlemen. And once he was actually king, it he wasn't. He, he really wasn't as as bad as like his reputation suggests. No, I agree. He and he actually did like against his better better against his own personal misgivings. Yeah, he did try to bring back the dragons. He did. He screwed up, but he did. So I'm a bit forgiving of him, and I'm get, and I, I I say like he, kind of by my hints, I think you can tell like I don't think he deserves the bad bad rep he gets. No, by the Westerosi. He wasn't. He was not a great king, though. Let's be honest there, though. No, no, he was not. But he also wasn't a monster. I'll give him. I'm almost gonna. I'm almost tempted to give him like maybe a seven. I, I'm bordering on that too. It's like I said, he wasn't terrible, but he also wasn't great. Honestly, like the realm repaired itself exactly. on his watch. So you know, for that, I will give him a seven. Okay, so not, not, not too bad. Not too How bad about already. you? Not too bad already. You, you'll give him a seven too. Yeah, I'm giving a seven. Okay, so seven for both of us. So fourteen. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. He he's uh he's actually in the top for that. He's in the upper percentile, and it's one of those weird ones that I'm kind of giving it away. It's kind of weird that we'd have a dud be relatively high ranked, but that's what happens. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that, but yeah. Okay. So the warrior. As a boy, he escaped being captured by the Lyseni enemies in his right. first and only time riding a dragon. Okay. That does deserve points. Yes. He had Alan Oakenfist and others fight battles for him. Again, knew, knew he wasn't a general. And he also did have those three Prince Daron pretenders rebellions crushed. Pretty quickly. Yeah. So, I mean... I mean, from what we know... If we get Fire and Blood Volume Two, we'll probably find out more about it, right? And and how long they lasted. Mm-hmm. As of now, they weren't. We can tell they weren't serious, really, at all. Mm-hmm. 
but like they were quelled pretty quickly also. So yeah, I think it's, it's more impressive than his father. I agree. It's kind of like, he's kind of like his mother and like, he knows he's not a general. Right. So he lets the, he lets people who are better at the job do the job. And when he actually had to be, he was brave. He was brave. He wasn't that talented, but he was brave. Give him points for that. Um, if it's out of ten, I'd give him. I'd give him a five, right in the middle. I'll give him a six. You give him a six, okay. So yeah, eleven, okay. So not terrible. Not terrible. You know, he actually might score high in this next category. So, Madness and Misrule. Uh, I mean... So, here are my points. Yeah. Lord Stark, during his brief tenure, ran the bloody and ugly business of ordering the execution of the men who killed Aegon II. Fair enough. So, during his time, it was a purge, though. Yes. It wasn't a fairly bloody purge, but it was a purge. A purge, we'll give him. He was so sullen and withdrawn from the traumas of the Dance of the Dragons that the people believed that he cared little of them. Yeah. He also did little to bring the people joy beyond ensuring peace and food was given to them. He gave them bread, but not circuses. Yeah. And that is important for a ruler. Right. For this type of ruler, anyway. Though, though he tried to resurrect the dragons, they did die in, in his time as king. Right. He was universally ridiculed and hated for this, even though he had little to do with, right. with it. Gonna, and he uh, tried to overcome it, though he personally hated and feared dragons. Yes. That's a tough one. That, it's kind of a tough one because you understand why things went wrong. And per se... A lot of the stuff wasn't actually his fault, if you want to call it that. Yeah, I, like it's a weird thing. Like, but 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 they did happen. It happened, but it wasn't really his fault. It's kind of it, it, it's a little it's a little hard to describe. It's a little hard to describe in terms of trying to find a historical figure for that. Well, it's. Uh, well, sometimes just things happen where it just like, even when you're not trying to, just things don't work out. Right. Right. Uh, uh, you know, I... This is a tough one. This is actually kind of a tough one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I agree with you. Yeah, it is. Um, he definitely wasn't... I'll, I'll give him points for this. He definitely wasn't mad. But the misrule might might be that. I think, I think mad kind of in that like he was just, but like it's like mad in terms of like trauma of just like it's like right. He was just like he was just reluctant to really interact with people, and so that made people think the worst of him. Right. He's kind of like that. He's kind of like that kid who literally. I mean, he's that he's that kid who lost his parents in in a car crash when he was six. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? That's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. And as we're saying, like, he's remarkably both competent and social. Right. For the poor guy. For that. Uh, I. 
you know, like the death of dragons, it's also a little bit of like we don't really even know how and why the dragons hatch to begin with. Yes. I'm going to give him a six. I will give him a five. Okay. Like, because it's like, it's it's clearly not his fault. It's not but, his fault, but he didn't for, really for, have the vision to keep going. Like, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't take risks, but he also didn't do anything really all that great. So. The risk was in trying to, well... We'll find out the one who t did take the risk for for the dragons trying to hatch them again. Yeah, well, the problem was, he did, again, I think he just gets so much crap because he did not succeed. Yeah, but sometimes that happens. Yeah. Sometimes there are, there are failures as much as there are successes. Yep. So, the, the next category, mm -hmm. portrait. Okay, send them over. So, sending a, a portrait, this is from Fire and Blood, and honestly, even though, like... This is actually a little advanced for, for, like, the content of Fire and Blood, but this is, like, when he's, like, fully a man. But I think that's actually, like, one of the most perfect portrayals of this guy. Yeah. I mean, he's not... He, he's handsome, but he's in a bad mood. Yeah. This one's a better one for him in, like, a better mood, but even that... Like, this one... The first he's one is from Fire and Blood. This one's from Amok. Right. He's still quite sullen. Yes. It just like just like every once like there, there's something in his eyes like this poor guy. Yeah. Like he's I agree with you. He he does have some handsome looks, but like he's like oh, that is not a leader. Right. He, he's just he's just such a the poor kid's such a wreck that he can't do anything. Yeah. So out of five, um, I'll give him I'll give him a three, three and a half. Two and a half from me. Okay. So three and a half, two and a half, that's uh, seven? Or, yep. Wait, no, 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 that's a uh, six. Yeah. Still not. So six. So let's tabulate it up. And so he might be actually a pretty decent scorer. He's actually not a bad, not, not bad in that sense, no. So 26 for Time is King. 14 for The King, 11 for The Warrior, right? 11 for Madness and Misrule. Wow, he might be one of the, uh, what I've always wondered if we, we would get to, mm -hmm. which is a, someone who is both, I guess, scores big in the King category and Madness and Misrule. Right. Which is something I was always curious if we'd get in the this show. <laughs> and he might be it. There you go. Both unfortunately and... Yeah. So, his total is 68. That is pretty... That's, actually, that's pretty, pretty darn Pretty damn high. good. He is... Uh, he is... Around... Uh, to give you... Uh, uh, where he stands right now. Mm -hmm. He is... Only behind Aegon the First and Jaehaerys. Not bad for is, total points, which is a bit ironic. Like uh, that is slightly ironic. I think that's ironic because of what we're going to say, and I think we are on the same page. But let's get to it and discuss it. Yep. Our final category, the final verdict, is: Is Aegon the Third 
a dragon, someone worth remembering and special, or is he ultimately a dud, someone that is just ultimately a footnote in history? He's kind of a dud. He is. Like, I'm sorry. Like, he is such a sad story, and I I do think he's a wonderful story to tell. Right. But, like... Yeah, it's just like it's like I I feel so bad. I feel like I want to hug this kid, but like, but no, sorry, you're you're not a good but, king. But like, aside from the personal things, like yeah, it's just like his reign's kind of just like this kind of just, well, nothing really happens other than the dragons die. So he, he called it. He he fit. He, I don't want to say he fixed the realm, but the the realm recovered. The realm recovered. So he definitely deserves points for that, which we gave him. But. Not really a... But not really, like, anything about him that, like, speaks to me as, like, memorable. Right. Or or consequential. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's weird, because he is consequential, but it's more like, just like, eh, like, even the dragons dying is just, like, something that happened in his reign. It's not something, yeah. like, he exactly. instigated. Right. Because, like, for all his hatred of dragons, from what we, we can tell, he didn't, like, go out of his way to really, like, kill the dragons. No. He just, like, said, like, eh, I don't I think, like him. I think, I think maybe he might have actually been savvy enough to realize that if he could resurrect a symbol of his house, maybe he'd get some points. Well, we'll get to, Well, that was what his brother did. Yeah. Like, his brother convinced him, like, it's for the greater good. And, and Aegon, to his credit, agreed. Yes. So, well, that's why we gave him points for that. <laughs> so, that's it for Aegon Third and... Next week, we cover Darren the First. Uh. Let's see how he turns out. <laughs> so, tune in next week. Tune in next week, everybody. Thank you. Take care.